Hey guys, welcome to Home Church Scotland. I'm Pastor Dave and welcome to our weekly podcast. Guys, if you're encouraged by what you hear today, why not check out our social medias? Just search for Home Church Scotland. Or why not subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our services are live and in full for you to enjoy at your listening pleasure. So we're going to let, if you're in preschool, you guys can head out to the cabin for creche. And if you're in primary school, you guys can head through to the hall. And uh, we're going to be having a wee look at the book of Acts today, church. So if you want to open at the book of Acts, we're going to be in chapter 16. Uh, I'm going to be looking at a passage there. Um, I always say every dedication that comes round that we don't do the christening of children. And I'm aware that there's so many new people here that I just kind of want to teach why in case you've never heard why before. But also, um, I love the Bible and I'm going to be just looking at some of the other things it says in that passage. So I'm not going to focus on that, but I'm going to explain why as part of what we're talking about today. So Acts chapter 16, I think I'll read. I'll read a lot of it. We'll read from verse 16 and we'll go down to verse the end of verse 34. Uh, so... Yeah, feel free to take the kids out or keep them in whatever suits you guys. Kids are very welcome here. Uh, so let's just pray before we read scripture together. God, I pray that you would anoint the reading of your word today. God, I pray that as scripture is read publicly, as you instruct us to do uh, in the Bible, Lord, that it would impact our hearts and our lives. God, I pray that you would teach us something fresh today, regardless of how long we've been walking with you, regardless of how long we've been a Christian. Would you impact our lives afresh with the reading of scripture today. Uh, God challenges and changes according to your plans and purposes for our lives. And God, if there are people here who don't know you today, we pray that would change in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that no one hears my words or sees me today, but they hear your words and that they see you. I pray this in your name. Amen. So Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 16 says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Cyrus, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders for them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer uh, to keep them safe um, or to keep them safely so that they can't escape. Uh, having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. 
But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Cyrus, then brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. I'll stop there. So this is a really cool story actually. Um, I, I, love, I love the whole book of Acts. It's just story after story of cool stuff happening all over the place. But uh, what we find ourselves is, is in verse 25 is Paul and Silas in a prison cell worshiping God. Now, that's a actually strange thing to find because if you were in prison, probably for any reason, maybe one of the last things, particularly this time, prisons weren't they like the cushy thing that, well not, well, not that they're cushy, but you know what I mean. They never had PlayStations in their cells or nice meals or nice things. It was a horrible place. It was a damp place and they're here in the inner cell. They're fastened with stocks. They've got chains on. They can't move. It's a pretty horrific situation that they find themselves in. And what makes it even more horrific, actually, is that if you read at the start of the, 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 the passage that I read today, verse 16, it says, as they were going to a place of prayer. So they're going to pray. They're going to a place of prayer. They're going to a good place. And everything went wrong. We put ourselves in a very, very wrong understanding sometimes in the church and as Christians that when someone's ended up in a bad place, they must have done something wrong. Have you heard that before? I wonder what they've done wrong to end up where they've ended up. Sometimes we haven't done anything wrong. Sometimes people don't end up in a bad place because something's went wrong. Sometimes they end up in a bad place because God has a purpose and a plan in it. Either to grow that person or to use that person to reach someone that they wouldn't reach if they weren't in that place or for a whole host of different reasons. There could be a whole lot of reasons why you end up in a place that you don't really want to be. The key, as we can see from this passage, is you've got options when you get into that place. You can either be worshipping God and praising God and seeking God for why you're there and what you have to do, or you can be negative and beating yourself up all the time. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Negativity isn't mentioned there. Negativity isn't a gift or a fruit of the Spirit. And we've got a choice when life gets tough. We've got a choice when life gets hard. I'm going to press into God. I'm going to press in in prayer. I'm going to seek his face. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to, to meet with God in whatever horrific situation I'm in. Or I'm going to get negative. Or the second human reaction, maybe as if you're not negative, we just curl ourselves up in a ball and cry ourselves to sleep and hope that somehow the situation will pass. Situations pass when we press into Jesus. Situations pass when we trust in God despite our circumstances. This is a horrific situation. Not only are they in jail, remember, like they had had many, many blows inflicted on them, right? They're, they're battered to a, a state that you probably wouldn't actually believe. They're freezing cold in a prison cell, and yet they're worshiping God. And I love that. And I wonder about us. How, what if we as Christians, what if we as a church just learn to worship God through every circumstance? What if we learn to trust God through every single circumstance and just know that God directs our path? 
I've been talking to a lot of people this week and, and the subject that kind of keeps coming up is that of rejection. There's a lot of people I've spoke to this week that I felt a little bit rejected. And if, I, if you would allow me to be vulnerable with you for a minute, I feel like that sometimes. I was talking to a pastor in America on Tuesday. He's one of, he's one of my heroes. Um, he, he's, he, he's got a very big church. Do you know how many people, how much his church has grown by in January? 600 people. And that can happen in Scotland too, by the way. That isn't restricted to America, right? 600 people have joined his church this year already, which is incredible. So I, loved, I just love learning off this guy because he's just a good guy. But he was saying to me on Tuesday um, that a lot of the other ministers in town, a lot of the other pastors in town don't really like him. Like he's a little bit of the social outcast because they can't really accept what's going on in his church. And he was telling me that last Sunday, another local minister turned up in his church uh, just to see what was going on, sat in the congregation. And at the end, he went up to my, my friend, Pastor Daniel, and said, I don't get it. I mean, your preaching's okay, but it's not brilliant. You know, it's like, I just don't get how all these people are coming to your church. And, and uh, Pastor Daniel just said, look, th there's nothing to get. God's just decided to bless me and that, that's it. God's just decided to bless this church. I don't have any reason for it. But he was telling me this story and he asked me, he just said to me, like, how, how do you find it in Scotland? How do you feel in Scotland? And I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel a bit like the outcast sometimes. I feel like a wee bit... Uh, rejected at times if you're part of this church you know how hard I work to work with other churches and how much I invite people to come along and to speak here and to share here and all that and I've had, I've had lots of agreements with people that we would do pulpit swaps and I do my part of the bargain and they don't keep up with theirs and I was kind of saying like I don't know what it is I've done but nobody seems to want me to go and speak in a church you know and, and he said he just said to me Dave your rejection is God's protection. He said, You're, God hasn't called you to speak all over the place. He's called you to speak in Kirk and Tillich and, he, and he's simply not wanting to take your eye off the ball and be all over the place when you're supposed to be where God's placed you. And I just thought, wow, you know. But as I'm speaking to, to, to people and, and hearing about how people have felt rejected, I just thought, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, our rejection is God's protection. When I think to the rejection that I had at high school, and I know if you're a young person and you're a Christian in this place, you've probably got some rejection at high school, but I was rejected by a group of uh, guys that I would never have wanted to turn out like. I was rejected by guys that were drinking their weekends away and moving on to drugs, some of whom are dead now. I was rejected by guys who get into fights and battles every week, some of whom are dead now, and I'm going, you know, at the time, you're feeling rejection. But looking back on it as a 40-year-old man, I just thank God for his protection that I didn't get caught up in all that nonsense. But we've got a choice to make. When we're feeling rejected, we can get upset and negative about it or we can do what these guys done. We can worship God. We can press into God and we can see a breakthrough in a situation. And that's just about rejection. It can be about illness. There's a lot of people struggling through illness and we again we seen it last week I forgot to do my announcements I'll do them later Joe says thanks for praying for him by the way hi Joe uh, for those that don't know we had, we had a guy in our church last week who I was at the hospital and we were told he was going to die within the next 24 hours and we had the decision to make as a church didn't we curl up, curl up in a ball and cry ourselves to sleep 
or get negative about it and be upset and do and say, God, what have we done to deserve this? Well, actual fact, you've not done anything to deserve it. Just life happens. And we can choose to go through life without God or with him. We can choose to have Jesus in our corner or we can choose to have him somewhere over there because we've not invited him in because we're too busy moaning about it. So what did we do as a church? We weren't negative, we were positive. We got together, we prayed and the next morning he asked for a cup of tea. It's amazing, right? And as you know, he's, he's home and he's doing great. Whether it's with illness, whether it's about losing your job, whatever storm it is that you're going through, you've got a choice to make. We can allow negativity to control our lives or we can just, just trust in Jesus. And trust in Jesus works every single time in every single situation. So these guys are in the middle of a prison cell, beaten black and blue, cuts all over them. We know that because their wounds get washed later on. They're in a horrific situation, but they're praising God. And they're changing the atmosphere of the prison. And they're changing the lives of the people that are around about them. So it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake because when we pray to God, believing for things, powerful things happen. Life-defining, life-changing situation changes happen when we press into God. So they're pressing into God. There was this earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately uh, the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, that's because, if you remember, the jailer had been told in verse 23 to keep them safely. Now, what that meant in Roman times way back then, 2,000 years ago, was you keep them safe and if they get out of here, you're dead. And you're not dead quickly. It will be a painful, horrible, horrific death to make an example of you because you let these prisoners go when we told you not to. So when this jailer sees the doors open, he's like, I'm in for it. I'm in for the most horrific, painful, slow, horrible death. And so he brings out his sword because far easier to end his life quickly than to go through the pain and torment that he would have to go through when his boss came, when his boss came in and found the prisoners gone. But this, I find really, really interesting actually, right? So Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. So Paul had a choice to make, right? A door opened for him to walk through for freedom. And at first glance, by the way, the door, I bet you any money the door looked good. I bet you any money that looked like a good option. But Paul must have prayerfully considered what to do and he must have come to the conclusion that if I walk through that open door, this guy is going to lose his life, so I'm actually not going to do it. I'm going to leave myself here in this horrific situation and trust that God would use me. And I think it's really powerful because I think one of the mistakes we make as Christians all the time is assume that an open door must be from God. So we walk through it. And a closed door must be God saying no. But it's not always like that actually. We're responsible in every situation, whether it looks rosy or whether it looks bad, to prayerfully seek God. And God, am I supposed to walk through this open door? God, am I supposed to batter down this closed door? Normally not. And normally you walk through an open door, but it's not cut and dry. So we kind of need to be a little bit... I've got myself into so many problems as a Christian by going, it looks good, it must be God. But actually, the enemy can give you things that makes you look good so that you trip up and fall flat on your face. So we need to be really, really careful about that. But also we need to ask ourselves, like Paul, are we willing as Christians, like when we say as Christians we're going to commit our life to Jesus and we're going to serve Jesus, are we willing to serve Jesus through everything? 
Are we willing to serve him through really horrific stuff? Would we be willing to put ourselves in a horrific situation if God asked us to go into one? Would we be willing to stay in a horrific situation for the benefit of someone else when it was, when it was trouble to us? See, as Christians, we're told in Scripture to value other people before ourselves, but we're just not particularly good at doing it. But here, Paul demonstrates that perfectly. He valued this jailer's life more than he valued his own. Staying in that prison could have cost Paul his life, and he knew that. But he stayed there to save the jailer's life. He cries out in a loud voice, um, don't hurt yourself because we're all here. So the jailer called for him, called for the lights, rushed in, trembling with fear, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a fantastic question. See, when we put ourselves in harm for Jesus sometimes, see, when we accept horrible situations coming against us and we stand firm in the face of all adversity, when we stand strong in the face of every trial, people will watch us and go, there's no way they should be handling a situation like that. And they might actually just come and say, what do I need to do to have what you have? What do I have to do to be saved? But unfortunately, we do quite a bad job of putting people off being a Christian sometimes because we say we're a Christian and go crazy when the smallest little thing goes wrong. We say we're a Christian, but we handle situations like we're not. And then when we talk to folk about becoming a Christian, they're probably quite right to go, well, I've seen how you handle that situation. I wouldn't want to handle it like that. So why on earth would they want to become a Christian in the first place? We kind of do ourselves out of the opportunity before we even speak it because of how we act. But what Paul teaches us here is we can... We can preach the gospel without using words. We can show folk that Jesus has changed their life without using words. You might think you're not the most eloquent talker. I'm not the most eloquent talker. I watched back the sermon last week because I like to critique myself, right? And I was like, there was words I was saying that didn't even make any sense. They made sense in context, do you know what I mean? But like, there's just this random word thrown in and I was sitting there with Ella going, what earth am I saying? You know, it was like, I don't, I just, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not one of them pure clever guys, right? I'm just not. But we can preach the gospel without words. The gospel, Jesus changes lives. Show folk how he's changed yours. Show folk how he's changed yours. And then we earn ourselves a right that when we start to use whatever words God gives us to tell someone the truth, they're more than likely to take it on board because they've seen it at work in our lives. They've seen the fruit of it in our lives. So this guy sees these guys in such a horrific situation. He hears them, man, he's hearing the hymns. He's hearing the prayers and all that. And probably at the time he's going, these boys are a bunch of Fruit Loops. These, bunch of, these boys are a bunch of maddies. They've just been beaten up. They've just been thrown into jail. Who are they singing to? Who are they praising? And then all of a sudden this happens and it all makes sense. Everything that, they've, everything that he's seen up to that point makes sense. This could only have been God. This could only have been Jesus. Show people such a change in your life that it could only be Jesus. Show people an attitude in your life that when you hit a horrific situation, your attitude and your positivity can only be Jesus because it ain't normal. It ain't human. It ain't Scottish. It can only be Jesus. <laughs> so he's, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, really, really importantly, grammar is everything, says a guy who didn't finish school, right? Grammar is everything. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Does not mean 
If you believe in the Lord Jesus, your whole household will be saved. It means believe in the Lord Jesus, comma, and you will be saved, comma. And if, if your whole household believe in Jesus, they will also be saved. That's what it means. That's why we don't baptize children here because I can't decide on behalf of my children that they're going to follow Jesus. They've got to make that decision for themselves. It ain't up to me. I hope they do. Thankfully, at this stage, they, all of them are. But it's no mad decision for any of you to follow Jesus. It's got to be your decision. I can't force any of you to follow Jesus. You need to make that decision on your own. So then it says, and this is really, really key, because if you are to ask someone who does baptize children, and I'm saying this for your, for your learning, if you were to say to someone who believes in the baptism of children, they would use this verse to, to tell you the whole household was baptized. Therefore, that's, that's how it works. But it says this very importantly before that, and he spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. So everyone in the house before they were baptized received the word of the Lord and everyone in that house was able to respond to the word of the Lord and then make the decision to follow him. It doesn't tell us the age of the people in his house. It doesn't tell us that they were babies. So they might have been four or five, but everyone in that house had a, an opportunity to hear the word of God and to accept it to hear the truth about Jesus and to accept it. And they heard the word of Jesus, everyone in that household, and if you believe in the name of the Lord, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. So they preached the gospel to everyone who was in that house. That hour, they took them, washed their wounds, and uh, the jailer was baptized at once, he and all his family. And here's another part of scripture that we can sometimes get wrong. In the Bible, when you become a Christian, you get baptized. In Scotland or in the Western world, it seems to be you become a Christian and then when you're ready to, somewhere down the line, you'll get baptized if you've passed a baptism class and if you've answered enough questions and if your life adds up to being good enough and all these conditions that we put in that just aren't in the Bible at all. An unbaptized Christian is an oxymoron. Is that right? Is that a word? Aye, I'm taking that. Well, I sound really clever now, eh? Look at that. There should be no such thing as an unbaptized Christian because when you decide to follow Jesus, we should immediately be getting baptized to show that my old life is gone and my new life has come. Baptism doesn't save you. You don't need to be baptized to be saved. But if you're saved, you should be baptized as a believer. It's as simple as that. And any other route you take is anti-biblical. Any other route you take isn't it right. And people have all sorts of excuses. Ah, but I would grow up in this denomination. Oh, but this is what I was taught. It doesn't matter what somebody taught you if it was wrong. It matters what the Bible says. And if something has happened in your past that is wrong, we have a responsibility as believers to put it right. It's as simple as that. Oh, but I'll upset my mum. Oh, but I'll upset my gran. Doesn't matter. Better upsetting your mum and your gran than Jesus. Right? Sorry about that. But it's the truth. We are called as individuals to weigh up the truths of Scripture. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. That is the truth. And our job as individuals and our call as individuals is to follow him. And everyone's got a choice to make. Everyone's got a decision to make. Again, I can't make it for you. I can't push anyone to follow Jesus. But I can tell you that when you follow Jesus, when you put your trust in Jesus, your life will change. 
Does that mean you're not going to go through struggles and trials anymore? Absolutely not. Very few folk went through more trials than this guy, Paul, who wrote a huge proportion of the New Testament. Majority of the New Testament written by this guy. He was in jail hundreds of times. He was stoned and they thought they'd killed him. He was beaten here like mad. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake and nearly killed. And I could go on and on and on and on. The stuff this guy put up with was unbelievable. But yet he had Jesus. So he could face it. Do Christians face the same troubles as everyone else? Aye, but we've got Jesus carrying us through it. Rather than going through it on our own. Anyone that tells you become a Christian and you'll be rich and everything will change and you'll be happy every single day of your life is telling you lies and they don't have a clue. Life is tough, especially in the world that we're living in today. Stuff that we're going through is real. Rejection's real. Hurt's real. Uh, abandonment's real. There's like, there's a whole lot of stuff that's real and it hasn't become less real when you accept Jesus but it becomes easier to cope with when you accept Jesus because he carries us through it. And we've all got a decision to make whether we choose to follow him or not. The reason that Ian and Beauty dedicated their young daughter today is because we ain't making the decision on her behalf whether she follows Jesus or not. But I believe by our example as a church, if we live this stuff out properly, it'll be a no-brainer for her to follow Jesus because Jesus is so real in the lives of everyone else. I want us to be a church where Jesus is real in our lives. That's what I want. Because if I'm honest with you, I've grown up in churches where Jesus wasn't real in the lives of people. Jesus was something people spoke about, but he was not something that people demonstrated. And I heard so many people say, and parents, be careful of this, right? Because a lot of my friends back in the day in church would say, if I'm going to end up like my parents, I don't want to be a Christian. So parents, take that as a warning. I want my kids to go, I want to be like my dad. That's our, that's our job as Christian parents. To be such an example that our kids go, I want to be like, I want to, if I turn out like my dad, I'm happy with that. If I turn out like my mum, I'm happy with that. If I have the type of marriage my parents have got, I'm happy with that. Parents, ask yourself a question, honestly, and allow God to speak to your hearts. Could you say right now that you would want your children to have the marriage you've got? That you would want your kids to turn out like you? If you can't, there's some change needs to happen in your life. If you can't, there's some things we need to adjust because our job's to bring our children up in the ways of God. And we can't do that if we only talk it and we don't live it. We can't do that if it's only theoretical. So I want to encourage us as a church, let's get the band back up, just to follow God in every circumstance, to follow God through every storm, whether you've been rejected, whether you've been hurt, whether unfair things have happened to you, Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's gone on in your life, whatever you've done, whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through before, if you simply put your life in the hands of Jesus, things are going to change. And there's nothing you've done that is not redeemable. There's nothing you've done that's not forgivable. It doesn't matter how many times you've come and you've walked away. It doesn't matter how many times you've let God down with your attitude. It doesn't matter if we've let God down as parents. It doesn't matter if we've let God down with how we've lived our life. It doesn't matter how many times we've let God down. If we just come back to Jesus today, what do I need to do to be saved? Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. What do you have to do for your life to change today? What do you have to do for things to be different? Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Saved from living life on your own from one struggle to the next, wondering how you're going to go through it.
saved from uh, negativity if you want to be. Saved from depression, God can do that. Saved from hopelessness. Saved from hell. Saved from an eternity of nothing. And brought into a place of eternity with Jesus. And it's available to everyone today. What do you have to do? Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And that's for everybody. I would encourage you to do that today. Let's just pray. God, I want to thank you so much for your love and goodness to us. I want to thank you for being with us today. I want to thank you. I believe, God, you've been challenging people in this place today. And I thank you for that. God, I would ask you just now that if those people here that are struggling just now, that are hurting, that are suffering just now, that you would just bring peace to them right now as I pray. God, that you would put peace straight into their lives. That they would understand they might be going through what seems like a hopeless situation, but nothing's hopeless when we bring you in. God, would you just let people feel your presence with us just now. Let people feel your presence with them just now. God, if there are people here who are struggling with rejection, God, I pray that you'd maybe show us where that reject, what that rejection has saved us from. Help us to see the truth. Help us to see the reality of the situation and take us from a place, all of us, God, from being negative to worshiping you and thanking you for saving us from something worse or maybe just for changing our direction. Maybe our rejection is simply God's direction in our lives. God, would you forgive us for being negative? God, would you forgive us for handling things in the wrong way? God, would you forgive us for not being the example that we have to be? God, would you forgive us for walking away from you yet again? And God, today, I just pray you bring all those who have walked away and all those who are lost back into your family or into your family for the first time and help us to live for you in all things. Just while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I want to give people an opportunity to do that. Maybe you're here today and you know that just quite simply you believe in Jesus, but you just know you've not been the example that you're supposed to be. Either maybe to your kids or to your workplace or to your school or to people around about you and you want to make a commitment today that you're going to display Jesus, that rather than being negative, you're going to press into Jesus, that rather than letting your situation get you down, you're going to be pressing into Jesus. You're going to make a change today to how you deal with situations. If that's you, going to put your hand up real quick so I can pray for you. See your hand, pal. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? See your hand. See your hands. See your hands. Wow. Hands up all over this place. Praise God. Maybe you're here today. And you've walked away from God time and time and time again and you're in this place and you're thinking there's no way God's going to have me back. I just keep letting him down. But if that's you and you want to come home today, you want to give your life back into God today, you want to commit to living for him once again, would you just put your hand up real quick so I can see it? And we'll come. We'll get someone to pray for you. Wow, amazing. And if today you've never gave your life to Jesus, you've never decided you're going to live for him, but today... You want to just become part of this family. You want to become a Christian. You want to follow Jesus for the first time. Will you stick your hand up real quick and take it down again so I can see it? Well, praise God, praise God. Is there anyone else today wants to give their life to Jesus in this place, see their life change forever? Is there anyone else wants to do that? Well, praise God. God, thank you for changing lives today. Thank you for saving people today. Thank you for expanding your kingdom today. 
And God, help us as a church and as individuals to honour you and serve you and display you in our lives. We thank you so much for saving us. We thank you so much that we don't have to go through situations on our own, that we don't have to struggle on our own. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. And we pray this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God's good, eh? God's good. Um, listen, I saw a few hands going up there and if you responded to Jesus for the first time, I don't want to embarrass you, so I'm going to come see you at the end of the service, okay? If you responded for giving your life back to Jesus, I'll try and come and talk to someone at the end. But if, if you're one of the many that responded to just wanting to put things right, wanting to handle things differently, and you want prayer for that, just as we sing this hymn, I'm going to invite you to come forward and just receive prayer for that off some of the teams. So if you're part of the leadership, just as we sing this song, please just come forward and be available and, and, and so that people can feel encouraged to do that. And if you want to receive prayer for any of these things, it's available for you today. Uh, let's stand together, church. I got a few, a few hymns to finish. Just let, we'll just let God minister as we do that. Thanks for listening to the Home Church Scotland podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, feel free to get in touch with me. My email is dave at homechurch.scot.